hey, Kingsgate. How are you all doing this morning? Good. I know some of you are saying good, but you're not really feeling good. But it's okay. It's okay. I'm here to, by God's grace, encourage you in your walk with God. It's great to be with you, as you heard. I'm based in Manchester, so I bring you greetings from Manchester where God lives. That's what I always say. And uh, we've got some incredible things going on in Manchester, and I'm so blessed to be based in Manchester. Uh, I am also half Nigerian and half Ghanaian, so... Now, I need to clarify, I don't know if the shouts are for the Nigerians or the Ghanaians, so how many Ghanaians are in the house? Yeah! My mom is from Ghana, so Nigerians in the house. Now, we're not going to talk about who has the best jollof rice, okay? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just research it. <laughs> so my mom is from Ghana, my dad is from Nigeria, I was born in Liberia. That's because my dad has been a missionary uh, to Ghana, to Liberia, and then to the UK. In 2001, we moved over here when I was 17. And so my wife is from Stockport, and uh, yes, so we've got three children, and uh, our youngest is about six weeks old as of today, so... <laughs> She's Harmony Grace Malaya, and so we're so excited about what God's doing. We've expanded our family, and it's so good to be with you. I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm, and uh, we started in 2009, and uh, I'm not really going to go into the vision and the heart behind it, but really, we want to see a prayer revolution across the body of Christ. Now, I know as a, as a church, you've been going through, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, and you're looking at different aspects of that. I'm going to be picking up uh, that kind of series from Matthew 7 today. So if you've got your Bibles, please do turn to Matthew 7, uh, verse 7, and I'm going to read, ask and you will be given, sorry, ask and it will be given to you, <clears throat> seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? Who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who, who ask him? Amen. I love these words because when, whenever we read these words, we obviously connect it with prayer and the whole idea of coming before a heavenly father to ask uh, for his provision, to ask for his blessings. And I love how this is rendered in the Amplified Translation. It says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So it really communicates a bit of a, a, con a consistency and a persistence in prayer that many of us need to actually learn to develop in the Western church. See, I came to the UK when I was 17. And uh, when I came to the UK, I realized, because uh, I went to college, my closest friend at college was an atheist who didn't believe in God. So we had lots of conversations about God because Every time you ask me, oh, yeah, what have you been doing the weekend? And I was like, oh, yeah, I went to church. So it's like, oh, you're silly for going to church. And I was like, well, you're a fool for not believing God is real. <laughs> now, I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. Anyway, so, <laughs> so we have this conversation. But it occurred to me that my whole life, until I moved to the UK, I never met an atheist my whole life. Can you believe that? Now, I never met one person or even knew someone that knew someone that did not believe in the reality of God. Now, that's not to say that everyone in Nigeria and Ghana believes 
in God, or believes in Jesus rather, and believes in the Messiah. But one trying to point out is the fact that there was an awareness of the spiritual world, so real in my upbringing that even people that didn't believe in Jesus believed in the reality of the spirit realm and its influence on this realm. But when I moved over here to the UK, I realized many believers in the church have no idea about the spirit realm or they intellectually or theologically believe it, but it's so far from their reality. And oftentimes that is why many of us don't take prayer seriously. Because what happens when we pray is we're engaging the spirit world. So you don't see the spirit world. It doesn't mean it's not real. There are lots of things you don't see that are real. The radio waves in this room, they're very real right now, but you don't see them. Now you all, need to, all you need to have to tune into what's already there is a radio receiver. It's a picture of your spirit, which is built to receive communication from the realm of God. And we're built as human beings to engage with our creator God. Now in engaging with God, there's some principles we need to adopt so that we're in this for the long haul. Someone say long haul. I've met people who go to conferences, they get excited about uh, meeting God in that meeting and they have an incredible time at the conference. Maybe you're here today, maybe you come to church and you have an incredible time. And oftentimes, a week after or a few days after, a few months after, they're down from the conference high or from the event high. And so whatever they encountered there was great in that moment, but somehow they weren't able to translate that into a lifestyle. It's one thing to get on fire for God, it's quite another to stay on fire for God. Because God will light a supernatural flame in your heart. He does that. Now you have a responsibility to maintain that flame. Now, when we talk about, you know, asking and seeking and knocking, our, I mean, the emphasis on the verse is really about asking God for things. In fact, Jesus even said, how much will your father give you things? And I believe in God giving me things. In fact, God has blessed me with lots of things. And just to be clear, there are also other things I've asked for I have not quite received yet. There are things that I'm seeking God for that I've not seen a manifestation of in the natural. Now, what I've realized is, if we're going to be in this for the long haul, we need to have a mindset like those who run the marathon. This is not a hundred meters sprint. It is a marathon. Someone say marathon. So <clears throat> if you're truly walking with God in the way you should walk with God, this time next year, you should be in a better place spiritually than where you are right now. Amen. So you should be growing in passion for God, not diminishing in passion for God. And in my Christian experience, I find that sometimes the people that have been Christians for the longest amount of times end up being some of the most cynical, horrible people to be around. Okay, maybe it's just me. And I don't know why that is the case, because that's not the case. In the first service, I said, we as Christians, we need to be like wine that gets better. But some Christians are like milk that gets worse with time. So with time, you should get better in your walk with God and deeper in your fellowship with Him and deeper in your prayer life. Now, if you're going to stay in this for the long haul, the right foundations need to be laid. Depending on the type of building you're going to build, you, I mean, you need to consider the foundations. That's critical to what you can build. And for many Christians, the foundation of their prayer life has stayed here in just asking. So what I want to do is I want to show you a picture here of three realms that I, I can relate what Jesus has said here too. So he says, ask. He said, seek. He said, knock. Now, if you look at that in the context of the tabernacle of Moses, which has three realms, I can kind of compare these three 
things that Jesus said to the three realms in the tabernacle of Moses. In the tabernacle of Moses, you have the outer court, and then you have the inner court, and then you have the Holy of Holies. And I can liken that to the outer court being an asking realm, the inner court uh, being the seeking realm, and the Holy of Holies being you know, the knocking realm. Now, in the outer court, you have two things. You have the brazen lava, sorry, the bronze lava and the bronze altar. And on the altar, obviously, you have the sacrifice. You can, you can liken that to the picture of our salvation, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, you know, because it's, it's through the shedding of blood that we actually, uh, through the shedding of blood, our sins are able to be washed away. So in the outer court, we have this experience of salvation, but also there's the washing of the water, which could be a picture of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, in that realm, if we compare that to what Jesus has said here, there's something about that realm that is good, but that's not where I believe we're meant to remain. We're meant to journey. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, it says the veil was ripped and now we have access into the Holy of Holies. There's no longer separation. Listen, you're as close to God as you want to be. And oftentimes we don't journey deep in God because we are so comfortable with some of the externals. And many of our prayer lives live in the asking realm, in the outer court. That is why oftentimes we don't go deep in God. Because we come to God just to get. Did you hear what I said? So when I say let's pray, or when someone says let's pray, the instant kind of mindset that many people tend to have is, okay, we're just going to come before God and just ask him for stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that because, in fact, he says we should do that. But I believe there's something deeper that God is wanting us to tap into if we're going to be people that are in this for the long haul. Because the asking realm is for babies. I have a, two, I have a six-week-old baby, and she is mostly concerned about herself. That's all she thinks about. I don't know why she doesn't think about me not sleeping the last three nights, because I'm the one that has the baby in the night while my wife rests. So I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I've not had, in fact, coming away here has been a bit of a uh, holiday. Because <laughs> I've been able to sleep finally. Now, she doesn't care that I have not been sleeping. She just wants her bottle. And you know what? Babies want bottle, not battle. Babies just want to be made to feel good. The 21st century church has become a nursery where babies are being fed, not a barracks where warriors are being bred. So we want to just come and be made to feel good. Oh, pastor, give me the inspiration that's going to get me through this week. Can I say this? Jesus never preached a motivational message. And inspiration, motivation, that's great, but it's kind of like a warm bath or a hot bath. Eventually it gets cold. You need something on the inside that's going to keep you burning. He says, the fire on the altar shall not be put out. So what God is really after is a life of seeking Him that keeps going from glory to glory to glory. And as long as you remain in the asking realm, you're not going to grow in your love relationship with the Lord Himself. Because Prayer is not a means to an end. It's an end in of itself. Okay, you don't believe me. Let's, let, let's look at Jesus' life. He lived on earth for how long? 33 and a half years. For 30 years, he prepared for ministry. For three and a half years, he did ministry. Now it's been over 2,000 years. What does the Bible say he's doing? He's on, at the right hand of God interceding for us. So do the maths. 30 years preparation three and a half years execution, right? 
Now, over 2,000 years intercession. And not just that, the Holy Spirit is what? An intercessor. So two-thirds of the Godhead engage in this very activity of intercession. So don't you tell me it's something for some old lady at the back of the church that has nothing else to do. It is for you and it is for me. However, many of us are stuck in a wrong understanding of it. What keeps you going strong in prayer is not just your ability to ask. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I speak to people and they tell me, oh, I've been spending six hours in, in God, with God, seven hours praying. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, what were you doing in those seven hours? Because I, I don't know if I can be asking and talking just the same thing for seven hours straight. There has to be something more going on because Jesus himself was praying for very long periods of time. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a five-minute prayer guy. And some people, you know, even some ministers, you know, make statements to me like, you know, James, you know, I don't see why we need to be doing all these intense, long prayers. You know, just, just, he already knows what we need. We just need to say it briefly and get on with the rest of our lives. I'm not into these long prayers. Well, I'm like, great. Well, that's good for you. If that works for you, because you're telling me that you're better than Jesus. If, if there's anyone that had an excuse not to pray, it was Jesus himself. And when he got the opportunity to do it, he did it for long periods of time. So the question is, what was he doing in that time? I believe he was transitioning, not just from a realm of asking God for blessings in the outer court, he transitioned to the inner court, and not just there, but to the deeper place of the Holy of Holies. Now, what I want to emphasize on the time I have is the inner court. In the outer court, you focus on the hands of God, what God can do for you. In the inner court, you're focusing on seeking his face because that's where it says, seek, keep on seeking. You're focusing on his face. When you connect with God's face and you seek his face, you cannot miss his mouth. Because when you connect with his face, in there is his voice. In there is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. See, in the inner court, you have, you know, the, the lampstands, you have the bread, you know, the showbread, and then you have the altar of incense, for, uh, which leads to the uh, inner court. Are you tracking with me this morning? God is wanting us to transition from just the realm where we stay in just asking him for things that we want, things just in the natural world, to the realm where we start to seek him for who he really is. For me, that's been the sustaining part of my prayer life over all these years, because I can tell you there are things that I could be disappointed about. See, the ministry I lead is prayer storm, and we've been going for about 13 years now, and in all honesty, there are things that I can be disappointed about, just like the things you can't be disappointed about. But how come is it that I am still pushing hard after God. I woke up this morning to pray, not because I was coming here to preach. In fact, my prayer time was not about necessarily what I was going to preach here. Whether I'm preaching or not, it's irregardless, I am going to be a person who wants to seek his face because I'm not seeking him for what I can get from him. I'm seeking him because he's the end goal. I want to be like Jesus. And you know what the scripture says? As we behold him, we become like him. So the progress for spiritual development is actually beholding. It's not in the outer court. It's journeying into a deeper place of beholding. But for many believers, their prayer life is just like this graph. When there is a need and when there is crisis, they seek God with intensity. 
When the crisis moves on, the intensity drops. When the next crisis arises, you know what happens? Intensity arises. When the next, when that crisis arises, the intensity drops. And then it goes like, so it's just up and down and up and down and up and down. I don't believe that's what God intends for us. God wants us to be steadily increasing in passion. And the only way that can happen is if you steward your, your heart in seeking Him and you make that the foundation of your prayer life. So my dream is seeking his face. My dream is God himself. In fact, in Genesis 15, you know what the Lord said to Abraham? He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Now, we think of Abraham as the guy who God was going to bless. God said, I'll bless you. I'll make you a nation. God promised him a lot of things in the natural. And then God said in Genesis 51, Abraham, I am your reward. Listen, church, is God your reward? Or is it your means to get a reward in the natural? Does God exist for you or do you exist for him? Do you want God just to come and do what you want, how you want, when you want? Listen, the will of God trumps your prayer requests. Is anyone alive in in the church today? The will of God trumps, oops, I don't want to fall off the stage, God help me. <laughs> the will of God trumps your specific prayer requests. It's not that your prayer requests are irrelevant, but how does he align with God's agenda? And many people, because they're not in the place of seeking God's face, they disconnect from his heart. So all they want are things that sometimes are not really aligned with his agenda. And this is what I've found over the years. As you begin to seek God's face, it's not just something that happens overnight and just happens once and that's the end of it. The process refines you. The process conditions you. The process realigns your appetite. There are people in this room right now, you're struggling with illegal appetites that are taking over your life. Pornography, it might be drunkenness, it might be, it might be, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, jealousy is not the word I'm looking for. Uh, uh, there's a word. Backbiting, but it's not that word. Uh, uh, someone who just struggles to keep their mouth shut, but is constantly just speaking bad of other people. There's someone in here that has been your struggle, and you're trying to break out of that, but you can't break out of that living in the outer court. There's some things that don't stay on you. When you journey deep in God, the deeper you go, some things can exist at that level of depth. They just, they just fall off naturally. In my book, I talk about pornography addiction. When I was under that bondage, and my deliverance didn't come just in a moment, it came from going deep in God. And all of a sudden, images are deleted off my mind. And now it's been probably 13 years since I went on a pornographic site. Now listen, it's not, because, it's, not, it's not because I'm some amazing person. It's because I really do believe the blood of Jesus is not about sin management. It's about sin eradication. And when I journey from a realm where I am just focusing on natural things, oh, Lord, bless me. Oh, Lord, give me a nice house. Give me a nice house. When I, when I transition from that place, oh, Lord, I am desperate for you, Lord. I want to know your word. See, that's what's in the inner court. Lord, I want to know your word. Holy Spirit, I want to know you in a deeper way. And see, I'm fasting and I'm praying, not for anything in the outer court, but for a deeper encounter in the inner place. And so I'm creating space for the Lord to refine my heart. As I'm going deeper and seeking Him, the secondary consequence of that journey is chains fall off. 
chains fall off. Your mind begins to be reconditioned. Your appetite begins to change. You begin to receive godly wisdom as to how to structure your life to give the enemy no foothold. Listen, it's a process of seeking his face. And one thing I want to leave with you today is move away from the realm where all you do is just ask. Let's take and let's examine your prayer life. How much time do you spend asking God for things? And how much of the time you spend with God is it just about Him alone? For many Christians, I will probably dare just predict that many of us, the bulk of the time is we just want Him to give us certain things. Oh Lord, I want this. And again, see, I'm not saying that's wrong because we just read the scriptures. It says ask. But I feel there's an emphasis the Lord is calling the church to, to be seekers. God seekers. Do you know why God wants us to be people that seek his face? Because when we become people that seek his face, we tap into his nature. God himself is a seeker. Left the 99 to find the one. He says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But then he also says in John 4, you know, uh, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks. The Father is not seeking worship. He's seeking worshipers. Because worshipers are seekers. And when we become people that seek his face and learn to have that as the foundation of our journey with him, I have found that that begins to recalibrate our hearts. I want to wrap up with this. I lead a ministry, and there's lots of responsibilities. As you know, past, your pastors will know, you know, there's just so much involved in leadership, and the demands keep increasing. You know, and what I found is sometimes we, we get to a place where we want God to bless us. We want, oh God, I want the ministry to grow. Oh Lord, I want the business to grow. Oh Lord, I want these things. And sometimes it seems like God holds back on the very things that we want for Him for, uh, from Him. Because I believe sometimes the things we're crying out for, we're not quite ready to handle. Because for some people, the very blessings that they want from God becomes their distraction from Him. Oh, you want a husband, you get a husband, and now you pray less. You want a family, you get a family, and now your level of spirituality dips. You want a business, God blesses you with the business. Things are exploding, the church is exploding. And guess what? You're not praying as much. And you're not engaging with God as much. And sometimes the process, God uses to refine us. So as, I, as I've been in ministry and doing all this kind of, you know, seeking the Lord, I've realized that my ministry, what God has called me to, is actually my assignment, my dream should be his face. The problem is when we mix the two up. When what should be my assignment becomes my dream. So that means I start to find my satisfaction from what I do for God, as opposed to being with God. And I found over the years, it's so easy to fall in love with the work of God and not the God of the work. So I realized I need to separate and I need to have a clear distinction and consciously set myself and every now and again I have to reevaluate my heart and say, okay, Lord, my dream is you. My dream is not ministry. My dream is not opportunities. My biggest platform is being in your presence. 
My biggest platform is being one-on-one with God. No thousands, it's you. This is where I find my fulfillment, my definition. This is where my life comes from. I want to seek your faith because this is who I'm called to be. So if the ministry grows, I should not be lifted up in pride. If the ministry shrinks, I should not be depressed because really it's my assignment. I'm called to be faithful in my assignment, but I'm going to pursue my dream. No one can touch my dream. And so the same needs to be for you. That your dream shifts from just the natural blessings and opportunities and open doors of this world, even in the good things of serving God, needs to shift, I believe, to God Himself. Do you understand with me? I believe this morning, God is wanting the church to step into a reset We transition from the hands to the face of God and He wants us to go deeper into His heart, in the inner core. But I believe we start with seeking His face, our time in the Word. I don't read the Bible to find a message to preach. I don't read the Bible because I've got conference down the line. Oh, and I need to find, oh God, give me a word. What I speak is coming from the reality of my life. And that's how God wants us to live that we seek Him not because of opportunities or any circumstance. We have the consistency of pressing deeply into His presence regardless of external things. So what I want to do is this. If you're here this morning and you want to say, Lord, I want to reset in my devotion to you. Maybe you're here and you're discouraged because of things that are going on in your life. Maybe you've prayed and you've not seen an answer. I have prayed and the things I've not seen fully manifested. I haven't given up yet. But you do know what sustains me with passion? It's exactly what I'm saying to you right now. His presence is everything. And you're here today and you know that you have just been distracted slightly. Your prayer requests have become an idol and it's consumed your whole life and God is saying, have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten me, the source of life? Why don't you come into my presence without any agenda anymore and just come for my sake and I will bring reordering to your emotions, to your heart, to your desires. And if that's you this morning, you want to respond to that, why don't you just do that simply by putting your hand up with me as a sign of saying, Lord, okay, I acknowledge that there has been a, 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 a shifting of my focus, but I want to I reset this morning. I want to reset this morning in seeking your face. There is no other way. Yes. And as you lift your hands, why not just begin to talk to the Lord right now in your own words. Confess to Him the areas of the distractions. Lord, I thank you for the business, Lord, but I know it has been a big distraction lately. And I've been so focused on that, I've I've lost connection with your heart. Lord, I thank you for the family you've blessed me with, but I've been so busy with that, I've not really had enough time to, to create, to seek your face. Lord, I thank you for the ministry you've given me, but it has become so busy and I've not been able to go deep in you, not for a sermon or for anything else, but just to be with you. Lord, I'm asking for a reset this morning. Would you set a fire in my heart right now and awaken me afresh to seek you, Lord. I want to go deeper. That this time next year, I am in a deeper place than I am right now. You are my exceedingly great reward. Not money, not fame, no opportunities, not ministry. You are my reward, Jesus. I want you and nothing else. Nothing else will do. Come on, just lift your voices as the band plays.